Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Who knows what's happening this morning? Give me a wave if you know what's happening this morning. Very good, very good. I like it. We have sevens this morning. If you do not know what sevens is, it's basically the best day in our church calendar because we have really good preaching on sevens days. Amen. Good. So what we're really excited, so we're going to do something this morning because actually we've got four people that are going to be preaching this morning, not just one. I know. So actually you've got bang for your buck this morning, which is really exciting. You got out of bed. You're getting four sermons this morning. But we, I need a little bit of excitement because some of these people have preached before, some of them haven't, but we want to be the best audience in the world this morning. Is that all right? Okay. I like Jen's on the, on the, on the page. We're going to try and get, we're going to be the best audience in the world this morning. Am I right? Okay, so I'm getting a little bit of activity from the front over here. There's a little bit going on in the back over there. And then there, I don't know what's going on on this side, but we're going to get there. Okay, we're going to try that again. We're going to be the best audience in the world for them this morning. Am I right? Yeah, we got a few more claps. We're really excited, filled with faith. The way this morning is going to work is if they make a good point, you are going to go, Amen. Thank you. Okay, we're going to give that a go. Okay, on three. One, two, three. Amen. I only saw three. We're going to get, don't worry. By the fourth sermon, you guys will have this down. Um, But we're really excited, filled with faith, and we're going to be introducing four different preachers this morning. There is going to be a countdown timer on the screen. They only have seven minutes, but it is going to be the best seven minutes you have ever heard. So if they make a good point, I want you to amen. If they say something that is not good, I want you to amen anyway, okay, and then send them a feedback email. No, I'm joking, but, um, but what I'd love for you to do is have a lot of fun this morning. We're really excited. These guys have been preparing. I've had the privilege of reading a little bit of what they're going to be sharing this morning. It's going to be a lot of fun, but that's enough from me this morning. I get to introduce a man to you to begin who is a very powerful man. His, his one bicep is the size of my whole chest. Okay, he, he's, he's, he's known in this area as the man who consumes more Como cakes than you could possibly imagine. This man is the husband of Palessa, okay, who makes the best cakes in Cape Town, am I right? Some people have actually called him the bishop of the batteries of Cape Town, okay? He is known by many people, but you would have seen him on stage leading worship with vocal abilities that are in fact impossible to actually achieve in this life. So ladies and gentlemen, can you help me in introducing our first sevens person this morning, Bunty Kribiri! Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. I'm very excited to be here this morning. I get to share with you from Colossians 1, 9 and 10. I'm going to jump straight into it because I don't have much time. So I'll get into it and read. For this reason, since the day we've heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. 
In the message it says, be assured that from the first day we heard of you, we haven't stopped praying for you and asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to his will. So there's a couple of points, three actually. The first is that this knowledge is not a fact-based general knowledge. It is an intimacy-based revelation knowledge. Um, how do you know what someone's will is? Um, you know someone's will by also knowing them. It's not just about the words that are coming out of their mouth. So knowing God's will is as uh, linked to knowing who God is. So as an example, growing up, um, my parents had certain ways that they would say my name. If my mom was getting upset, her voice would rise in pitch, Banti, and eventually it would reach a threshold that you knew, hey, it's happening here, it's not for play. <laughs> and my dad, also in a similar way, he would, when he's upset, get calm. So his voice would go low, but if he took off his glasses and his left eye was glistening red, you knew it was happening here, it's not for playing. So there was no new information in what was said, Banti, but the knowledge that I had of them gave me a revelation of the magnitude of the situation that I was in. So, first point. Knowledge is not fact-based, but it's intimacy-based. Second point is that this intimacy-based revelation knowledge allows us to abide in him as a vine and as a result bear fruit. And this is not fruit that we stir up or work up, but it's fruit that is generated by and naturally flows from him through us. Um, John 15 verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit and apart from me you can do nothing. Isaiah 40 verse 31, in the New King James it says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. Now in the NIV it says those who hope in the Lord. In the King James it says those who wait in the Lord, on the Lord. But that entire phrase is translated from one word in Hebrew, vekovye, which finds its root in the word kava. Now, the word kava has both a figurative and a literal meaning. When it's used figuratively, it means to wait, hope, or expect. When it's used literally, it means to gather together and to bind together like a cord. And it's not like uh, the word that's used when you're trying to tie something together with a cord, but it refers to the act of weaving the strands of a rope together. So the literal picture is that of being bound to, intertwined with, and gathered together with God. Again, intimacy. So those who are intertwined with the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. Cause and effect. It's as a result of this intimacy that the fruit flows. Then the third point is that this fruit is also reflected when we face trials and temptations. It's, it's as with a sponge. The only difference... Between, you can only tell the difference between a, a, a dry sponge and a sponge that's filled with water by squeezing them. Um, so in the same way, in temptations, we know that what God has for us is better. And in trials, we know that, what, that God is bigger and his purpose will prevail. So as an example, in my own life, I struggled very much in my teenage years from 12 to 18 with a certain herb. I will not say its name in church, but its initials are marijuana. Um, <laughs> And uh, it was a big challenge. I, I got born again at the age of 17. And in that year, I, I used more than I'd ever used in my life. Six, seven times a day, I'd wake up. Six o'clock, people were getting ready to go to school. I'd be in the backyard. Um, and it became such a struggle with condemnation that uh, speaking to guys in church, I don't know, I can't deal with life without it. I'm mentally bound to this thing. I feel like I can't face reality without it. And one of the guys in the youth group eventually said, you know what, brother? Get into God. Spend time with God. Get intimate with God. Spend time in his word. Worship. Be quiet before him. And I don't care if you're using while you do it. Just do it. 
So I was like, eh, okay, so I'm not going to get struck dead if I'm busy reading my Bible with a blunt. It's, it's possible. And um, he said, just do it. I, I'm not advocating for reading the Bible while you're sinning to make it okay to sin. But it was unorthodox, and it was what I required at the time. So I'd be there in the backyard reading my Bible and lighting up. Um, and uh, after a while, it got to the point that I thought, wait, I, I, I don't need this. I wasn't forcing myself. I just felt like the, the desire is not there. Something that naturally flowed from God through me to set me free of it. Um, and I put it aside and never turned back. And not only did God deliver me from the years of addiction, but he, he restored the years the locusts had taken. I failed matric. I repeated matric. It was a struggle to get into university. I believe he also restored the hundreds of thousands of brain cells that were lost in the process. <laughs> in the trials, it's such a comfort in knowing that it's his will and not mine. It's not a choice between striving to make my own plan succeed or trusting God to make my plan succeed. It's his plans, and he shall be glorified in the purpose that he has for me. The battle is not mine. It is the Lord's. Second Chronicles 12, verse 15, it says, when God is telling Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat, do not be afraid or discouraged of this vast army, for the battle is not yours. Amen. So, the knowledge is based on as much of who God is than what his will is. To know his will, you must know him. Second, the intimacy-based revelation knowledge allows fruit to flow, not generated by us, but from God through us naturally. And thirdly, that fruit is reflected in the way we approach trials and temptations. Amen. Come on, let's make some noise. I think we can go home after that, eh? <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. The front rows are going to be like, no, we're not going home yet. But really amazing, Bunty. Well done. Can we just scratch the middle section from the recording? But other than that, phenomenal. Um, really excited for, um, for this morning. I get to introduce our second sevenser. Um, you might know her from the welcome video. You might know her from all the other videos that we do. You might know her from doing announcements this morning. You might know her from running the kids' ministry. You might know her from doing all the admin, really, that gets done in the church. You might know her from also basically running Guest Central every Sunday. You actually... I don't think anyone in the world does as many things as this person does, and she is preaching this morning, and she was taking photos of the people preaching. So that's going to be a miracle in itself, because I don't know if you're going to do a selfie with a camera. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning I would like to introduce to you the Right Reverend, Janae Eckstein. Come on, let's make some noise. Okay, good morning, everyone. Let's jump right in. Colossians 1 verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all of creation. So I like myself a good Western story. So I'm going to tell you guys this morning that Jesus is supreme over your good, your bad, and your ugly. So first up, 
You're good. He's supreme over your good. And your good is your gifts and your talents and the things that he gifted you with. And when we realize that he holds those things, the good things are gifting in his hand, actually something shifts. You see, we were created through him and for him. Those things that you were gifted with are for his glory. And when we realize that we were created, not because I think sometimes we have a misperception. Sometimes we think God was sitting there in the beginning going, oh, I need a friend. Actually, no, he's self-sufficient. He didn't need us. He also didn't go, oh, I need people to sing my praises, you know, just in case I forget that I'm God. No, he didn't need that. He also didn't create us because um, he was bored and he needed a game to play, you know, like life on earth can be a bit of a reality TV show. But no, actually we were created from an overflow of who he is. We were created from an overflow of his abundant love and his abundant creativity and his ability to bring order and just everything that he is. And when we realize that we were created from that overflow what we do with our gifting and how we respond to opportunity changes. You see, I, um, I've been writing ever since I could hold a pen. I was writing poems. I was writing letters, sending them up with helium balloons in the air, hoping someone would respond. And then I got to, when I got to high school, I got rebuked so much about my handwriting. I vowed that I will write, but I will never let anyone read it again because it felt like they were just never reading the stories. And um, until the beginning of this year, I just felt God say, actually, you were gifted with writing, right? And I started a blog. And the response that I've gotten from this blog has been incredible. People have spoken to me about my relationship with Jesus, my relationship with God, my intimacy with God, and as a result, have connected with God. And I just couldn't help but think, how m many times have I written something and not showed it to people and missed an opportunity to introduce them to God? And yeah, so first of all, our good. Um, secondly, our bad. You see, it's easy to believe he's supreme over our good because it's a blessing. It's nice. It's difficult to believe that he is still supreme in the things that are tough in our lives. It's difficult to believe that he's supreme over our addiction, over our loss, over our rejection, over all the bad things that happen in our lives. Um, but actually, you know, we live in a fallen world. Suffering is inevitable. It will happen. But God is still, Jesus is still supreme over those things. And um, he makes all things work for good for those who love him. And so when I was, when I started Varsity, I had experienced a lot of traumatic events in the months prior and even the first few months. And it got to a point to the middle of that year where I was just ready to give up. I was suffering from severe depression and I was ready to take my own life. I was one night desperately seeking for a way to do it and then... Um, I remember before I attempted to take my own life that night, I just prayed, God, please, 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 please just let me die. I do not want to be here. And I survived it, and I woke up, and many times after that, I couldn't help but ask God why. There surely there should be a reason why you were supreme over that moment, and I survived. And I realized today that... Um, if I didn't go through all of that suffering, I wouldn't have the compassion that I have in my heart for youth, for young people. And actually, I wouldn't be able to point them to Jesus if I didn't have that compassion. So he used that. He was supreme over my suffering, and he made it work for his glory. And then lastly, he is supreme over our ugly. We are all humans. We all have sin. We all have our issues. We all have ugly. But actually, it's the most amazing thing when we realize he doesn't become supreme over it when we surrender it to him. He actually was supreme over your ugly before you even did it. And um, when we realize that things shifts, that brings me to my knees with gratitude each and every single time. 
Um, when I first started teaching, I had a quote of the week every week, and the kids in my tutor class could bring quotes that they wanted to, to put on the, the quote wall. And there was a beautiful girl called, called Kwanda. Um, she really had a strong faith in, at, at the mere age of 15. And she came one day, and she gave me a quote, and it read, if all of the words that you spoke were tattooed upon your body, would you still be beautiful? And that struck me because the answer to that question for me myself was no. And um, I, I struggled with that for a while. I struggled for that with weeks going um, on end. But something changed when I brought that to Jesus and I realized that actually I am good at speaking. If you know me, I speak a lot. That is both a strength and a weakness because sometimes the things that I speak is not not life-giving, but actually when I realize that Jesus is supreme over my words and he is present in the words that I speak, it changes. And the way that I spoke to the kids and the way that I engaged with my fellow teachers changed in that moment. And yeah, so Jesus is supreme over your good, your bad, and your ugly. And I would just like to encourage you today, let's rest in that supremacy of Jesus, that everything that happens in your life, actually he's supreme over that. He's within it. It might not be from him, but like all the bad things that happen, but actually he is in it and he's making it work for his glory. Come on, we can make a little bit more noise than that. That's power. I think one of the things that I love about Sevens is just the incredible stories that people tell. That actually you might have seen Janae doing stuff and been involved in ministries that she's a part of, but sometimes in moments like this we get to hear radical stories, tr stories of, of transformation and God doing amazing things. And what I love about testimony is it means that God can do it again. When we hear it, there's faith for God to do it again. So what we're going to do right at the end of the meeting is we're going to be doing communion, and we're going to get these people who have preached today to pray some specific prayers over you of what God has done in their life. And and I'm really excited for that. But now I have the incredible privilege of in, introducing to you a walking miracle. I'll explain to you why in a moment. Who, who's excited to hear this? Is that that he, he's sitting in the front row? And uh, there's a couple of reasons that he's a walking miracle. First of all, the fact that he's been able to get his legs under control in the last 12 months is a phenomenal thing. But more than that, the reason that he's a working miracle is because Crystal van der Berg said yes. I don't, I don't know. For me, that's... Uh, we're going to do that again. Crystal van der Berg said yes to marrying him. And, and that's happening in a couple of months' time. I don't know if you've gotten your invite yet, but I'm sure it'll come soon. So ladies and gentlemen, this morning I'd like to introduce to you Michael Hedenskog. Awesome, awesome. Really excited to preach this morning. I love sevens. It really is one of my favorite times. And um, so I'm going to be preaching from Colossians 2 verse 10. So you can quickly turn there in your notes, turn there in your Bibles. But what it says is that you have been given fullness in Christ. He is the head over every power and authority. So just a couple of things. Firstly, we have to touch on the fact that Paul was writing from prison. So I know we've said this quite a couple of times, but it is quite amazing to me that Paul was writing from a prison cell. And this isn't like the minimum security prison where you get three meals a day, DSTV, and then like you farm for an hour a day as well. No, this was a dingy, grungy prison, prison cell in Rome. And he is writing and he is saying that I have fullness in Christ. 
So it is quite a phenomenal thing that a man who is experiencing bondage and chains for that very belief still writes to people and still wants to exhort them and say, I have fullness in Christ. I lack nothing because of who Jesus is for me. And I want to talk about that today. If you're in a low point right now, maybe you've had a tough week, or maybe you're going through a season where it's just been a struggle, where there's suffering or temptation or sin, are you full in Christ? Can you experience that fullness that Paul is talking about when he is in chains? I don't know if you've maybe seen the movie Shawshank Redemption. It is one of my favorite movies. It is probably one of the greatest movies ever made, in my humble opinion. Um, but there's a scene where the warden, a corrupt prison warden, is talking to this man called Andy. And he is in prison uh, for 20 years, but he's actually innocent. Sorry for the spoilers, but it's been out for 25 years. So, um, But he, uh, Andy is actually innocent, and he's uh, in prison, and he's experiencing all the trials and the sufferings of normal prison life. And the warden says this thing in the beginning. He hands Andy a Bible, and he says, salvation lies within and it's quite a poignant statement. Uh, uh, immediately off the bat, you're like, okay, no, that makes sense if you know anything about the Bible. But what Andy does is he eventually breaks out of prison 20 years later. And he does that by chipping away at the stone with this tiny little rock hammer. And he does this by hiding the rock hammer in the Bible. So he carves out a little piece of, um, a little portrait of the rock hammer in the Bible. So salvation literally lay within the Bible for him. And that was freedom. But it's more than a poignant statement is, does your salvation lie within? Does your salvation lie within the person of Jesus Christ? See, I think sometimes we don't experience the fullness because we want more from God than we want more of God. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes we want more from God than we want more of God. See, if you want to experience the fullness of Jesus Christ, it looks like humbling yourself drawing near to him, coming to him in submission, and just drawing down from everything that he is for us, abiding in him, resting in him, trusting in who he is for us in every situation. See, people have been talking about this entire morning, about testimonies of their lives, that there will be circumstances, but the circumstance doesn't change. The person of, your, the person of our salvation changes in that circumstance. See, we're going to experience things in life. We're going to experience troubles. We're going to experience sorrow and heartbreak. But Jesus is our salvation. Jesus is our freedom. Jesus calls us into a greater story because he calls us into a greater way. And that word fullness, can we just say fullness? Okay, we're going to try again. Can we say fullness? There we go. That word fullness, uh, the Greek word is play race. So if you're playing and you're racing, play race. And that what is the Greek word. And what it means is that it diffuses from a source and permeates every part. That word fullness permeates every part. So Jesus is our source. See, if you're facing something today, Jesus is your source of hope. Jesus is your source of joy. Jesus is your source of abundance if you're facing lack. And it permeates every part of our soul. And it also has another definition. It says, fold to individual capacity. When we draw near to who God is, when we know who his character is, when we know that God is the source of life and life in abundance, he starts growing our capacity to know him more. See, our desire to know him, our desire to draw near to him, 
grows as we step in faith with him. See, it's not just a thing that we go to. He's just not someone that we seek. It's not a, a drawing near to or that you're with Jesus. It's that you're in Jesus. See, fullness is in Jesus. So my question today is, are you in Jesus? Is he, is he permeating every aspect of your soul? Are you abiding in him like a branch into the vine? Does his DNA throw, flow through you? See, when in situations, then when we experience trouble, we're not just walking in our own strength, but we're walking as sons and daughters of Jesus. See, that when God looks down, he doesn't look at the situation and say, I need to step in here. No, he's looking at the situation and he sees Jesus. See, because when we walk, then we carry Jesus in us because we're in Jesus. We're hidden with Jesus. So no matter what the world will throw at us, it has to go through Jesus first. See, when we're experiencing lack, it has to go through Jesus first. So when we're in Jesus, we draw down from that place and we can have joy in that place. See, because God, he chose you. He chose you from the beginning. There was nothing that you had that would pick him for you, uh, his team, that would pick you for his team. There was nothing that you could have done that would separate you from his love. Because before we could sin or fall short of the glory of God, he poured out his love for us in the person of Jesus. So I want to say, if maybe you haven't made a commitment today, is will you choose to follow Jesus? And even if you've been a Christian for 10 years or for one day, is, is Jesus the Lord and King of your life? And do you draw, draw down from there every day? Do you spend time with Him more than a moment of worship? Are you in and hidden with Christ? Amen, guys. Amen. Come on, let's make some noise. I like it. Really well done, bro. That was amazing. If you want to stick around, you'll be doing it again in the 1030 service. So you can just do two meetings this morning, which is really good. Also very important for you to go watch the Shawshank Redemption. Um, but this morning, I get to our final sevens person is an incredible man in our community. The tone of my introduction this morning for him will be a little bit different, um, just because he's a man that I respect tremendously in this church. He loves people passionately. He pursues Jesus in an incredible way, and actually is one of the most humble men that I've met in, in my life, actually, just in the sense that he has so much time for the people who are around him. Um, often, if I arrive here on a Sunday morning, he will be the man who will come and, he will come and say hello to me, where actually I should be the one going and saying hello to him. Um, and just a phenomenal man in our community. So this morning, can I ask you to put your hands together for Andrew Gaveda. He's doing the power walk down there. Good morning, church. Good morning, friends. Three wonderful people have just brought you the message through Colossians, and their names, Bunty, Michael, and Janae. And my name is Andrew. What's yours? What's your name, please? Shout your name, all of you. And again. I just want to tell you that God sees you and He knows your name. He knows every one of you sitting here today. Everyone. If we were to read from Colossians 4, 7 to 17, my 17, uh, 17 minutes, 7 minutes would be up. So we're not going to. But Paul in prison, 
at the end of Colossians, writes about certain people with him and around him. And he names them. Tychicus, he names as a beloved brother, a faithful servant. He names Onesimus. He says he's a beloved brother and he's an encourager. He names Justice and Articus. These are Jewish believers that are with him in prison, encouraging him and others. He talks about these names around. He's, he names Nympha, who, at whose house people meet. There's a church that meets there. He names Luke and Demas, who he says will come and he will send you greetings. And I'm thinking, today I don't see these names here, but I've heard your name and I see you all here. So these encouragers, these beloved brothers and sisters, could you be those people? Could you be Ephaphras who is praying earnestly for the church, praying that people would know God's will in their lives, people that would have reverence for God? Would, would you be the Epaphras, you, your names, you that have shouted out your names at me this morning? Are you those people? Are you the people that will be taking the good news out to your families, to your workplace, to wherever you are? And then, like he said, take the word to Lacedonians and then read the word that they have for you. Are we those people? Are you reaching far? Are we raising up? Are you released wide? Have you yourself actually been released? Have you been reached far deep down inside? Have you been raised up in Christ? And who are you raising up in Christ now? Where have you been? Have you been down? Are you raised up now? I see friends here. I see names here. I know your stories. Praise God. I know your stories. And then Paul says this. He says to Archippus, he says, remember the mission. Remember to finish the ministry that God gave you. Are you on a mission? Have you got a ministry? Are you working at it? Will you finish it? Ask yourself that. Will you finish it? Paul then again, towards the end, right towards the end now, we coming to the end of Colossians, he says this. He says, by my hand I write this letter, Paul. He names himself. He wants you to know that he's writing this. Paul, by name, is writing this to you, to the Colossians. He's speaking to them, and he's speaking to every one of us here today. Why the name? Because after that he says, remember my chains. Grace be with you. Paul, surely there's someone else that every day is speaking deep down into us and saying, remember my chains for you. My name is Jesus. Remember my chains. Remember my broken body. My bleeding, broken, bruised, pierced body for you. My name is Jesus. Remember your salvation. Remember your redemption. Remember my name is Jesus. Remember your deliverance and your freedom because my name is Jesus. Remember, remember your healing. And remember my love for you and you and you and you all. Remember my name is Jesus. And then there was a Thomas standing in front of a man who had doubts. He had doubts. Thomas had doubts until he took his fingers 
and he put them into the wounded hands. And he felt where the nails pierced. And he put his fingers into the side where the sword pierced and blood and water came out. And then he knew the name of that man standing in front of him. Then he knew it was Jesus. He didn't doubt anymore. Thomas then knew the name of Jesus. And today, will we remember the name of Jesus? Will we remember Jesus in chains? Will we remember his body and his blood? Will we want to know the name and the person of Jesus? Will we remember the love of Jesus? Because when Thomas realized who was standing in front of him and his name was Jesus, Thomas said this. He said, my Lord and my God. Jesus is supreme. Paul writes about Jesus' supremacy through the whole of Colossians. And he writes about life in Christ, new life with, in, and through Christ. Will we be a people here by name, every one of us, individually, in groups, in families? Will we be a church that remembers the name of Jesus, the name above all names? Many names spoken about, many names hardly pronounceable by me anyway. But will we remember the name above all names, Jesus our Lord and our God. God bless you all. Wow, what an incredible morning. One is a, just a story after story of God's faithfulness, a charge from a man who actually has fought some big battles in his life and is passionately pursuing Jesus. And, and there's no greater privilege in this world than to worship and pursue the name of Jesus. So